0: Africa, Rise and Shine. Africa,
1: Zola, Africa, Amika, Na Unai.
2: Good morning and a very warm welcome to Africa Rise and Shine. This is Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance, and we're coming to you live from Johannesburg in South Africa. We're on the frequency 7230 kHz on the 41 meter band to Southern Africa and on 15255 kHz on the 19 m band to Far West Africa as well as DSTV's audio bouquet, Channel 802. I'm Lulu Gabu, in studio with Anne Moussa, Tabiso Hoko, and Figile Limwati. In our top stories on Africa rise and shine in the Sawa. Brazil's embattled president will go on trial today. South Africa's finance minister will not present some to the hawks. And advocate Busisiwe Mkwebane might become South Africa's next public protector. In economics news, the latest on South Africa's finance minister, and in sports news, Springbok coach has made only one change to his starting lineup against Argentina. But first, up the news with Anne Musa.
3: The leader of the opposition Mozambique National Resistance, Renamo Alfonso de la Kama, has rebuffed a proposal to offer him the position of a deputy president. If accepted, the proposal advanced would have culminated into the formation of a coalition government. Tlakama rejected the proposal, saying he did not want the ruling party to swallow or weaken his party. Meanwhile, Human Rights Watch has bemoaned Renamo's recent waves of attacks, which are targeting hospitals and clinics in rural areas. The UN mission in South Sudan has relocated some 1,000 displaced people from a transit point in Juba to the UN House, one of the UN Protection of Civilian Sites. The group is made up of families displaced by violence in the capital city when fighting broke out between forces loyal to President of and Rahik Machar. UN peacekeepers are still sheltering over 170,000 civilians at six sites. The United Nations says about 40 to 45 percent of the 12,000-member peacekeeping mission is dedicated to guarding those compounds. Violations against children caught up in conflict are intensifying and severely impacting their lives. That's the view of the Special Representative of the UN Secretary-General for Children and Armed Conflict, Leila Zurugi, who submitted an annual report to the General Assembly. Matthew Wells reports.
4: The annual report highlights the devastating impact on children of increasingly complex conflicts around the world between August last year and July 2016. Mr. Ruggi said that the collective failure to prevent and end conflict is severe when it comes to children and the violations against them were directly related to the denigration of respect for international humanitarian and human rights law. During the past year, Afghanistan recorded the highest number of child deaths and injuries since the UN began systematically documenting casualty figures in 2009.
3: South Africa's ruling ANC says law enforcement agencies must be allowed to do their work but must also be sensitive to public perceptions. Party spokesperson Zizukoto was reacting to the country's finance minister Praveen Kodan being summoned to appear before the Directorate for Priority Crimes Investigation. Kota says ongoing speculation of a rift between Gordhan and President Zuma must not be
5: given traction. I don't think we must be carried away by the conspiratorial context in which these issues are taking place. That's why we have consistently earlier advised that it's better if these issues are dealt quietly. It doesn't have to be in the public that whatever investigation or questions are being asked. But unfortunately, I think we may miss an opportunity and even undermine the role of law enforcement agencies for people to to answer questions if there are necessary questions to be answered. But I think it would have been better for us, preferably, that these issues are dealt quietly Were between people involved, either institutions or individuals.
3: And finally, the breastfeeding culture will soon diminish in South Africa if nothing is done to revive it. Breastfeeding rates have been dropping in the country in the past 15 years, with under 8% of mothers exclusively breastfeeding their babies. This has emerged at the roundtable discussion on poor breastfeeding practices in the country held. South Africa ranks among the poorly performing countries on breastfeeding globally. Chantal Witten is a researcher at the Northwest University.
6: And we see the rates are going down. We are lagging behind many other countries. Swaziland has got better breastfeeding rates, Botswana has got better breastfeeding rates. Yet, they have much less money pumped into the health system. If you look at what South Africa is pumping into the health system, we should be doing much, much better. Is that when you have breastfeeding in a hostile environment, and I'm calling it the social-cultural environment, then breastfeeding is not going to survive. And if we want it to thrive, we want it to grow, we're going to
3: have to do things differently. That's the news. Headlines at 8:30 Central African Time.
0: Africa, rise and shine.
2: Thank you, Anne. Brazil's embattled President Dilma Rousseff will go on trial today, Thursday, the 25th of August, over allegations she broke budget laws in the run-up to the country's 2014 election. Rousseff has been suspended since May this year, but she claims her impeachment is part of a coup. From Rio, Dan Whitehead reports.
7: Brazil's political situation is hotting up. From those celebrating Dilma Rousseff's impeachment to mass protests on Copacabana Beach defending her, Brazilian politics is hardly in Olympic order. Rousseff is accused of using state bank money to fund popular social programs in the run-up to the 2014 election. Her supporters point out that many of her accusers are involved in corruption allegations themselves and Dilma Rousseff says it's a coup.
8: It isn't legitimate what they wish for, my accusers. Removing the head of state of the government for what she did,
9: they who can judge the president and remove the president for what she did, that is the people,
8: and only the people, through elections.
7: Removing Rousseff will require a two-thirds majority of the Senate, or 54 votes. She'll address the Senate herself next Monday, a move analysts say it will be her chance to set the record straight. Carlos Melani is from the Institute for Social
10: and Political Studies in Rio. She wants to speak to her former allies, to her former uh, ministers face to face. Uh, I think it's a very courageous decision uh, from Duma Rousseff because she knows that she's going to be ousted, but she wants to, I think in a way, uh, write a, 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 a good historical biography of
7: herself. If as expected she is ousted, Michelle Temer, Rousseff's former deputy, will continue on as president until elections in October 2018. Dilma Rousseff's impeachment is about more than just allegations that she broke budget laws, though. In a fragmented coalition, the embattled president has lost much of her political support. And regardless of the outcome, many believe the 2018 presidential elections could be moved forward to earlier next year. Dan Whitehead, SABC News, Rio de Janeiro, Brazil.
2: South Africa's Finance Minister Pravin Gordhan will not present himself as requested by the Hawks today, which is Thursday the 25th, citing legal reasons and other commitments. After receiving advice from his attorneys, he was advised that he was not obliged to attend the meeting. Gordon confirmed that the Hawks wrote to him requesting that he present himself for a warning statement on Thursday regarding the unit's investigation into the allegations of a covert unit at the South African Revenue Service during his tenure as commissioner. However, some reports say there is a power struggle between Gordon and the presidency over the financial situation at parastatals like South African Airways. Independent political analyst Daniel Silk lends us insight.
5: Well, look, he's taking legal advice, and uh, certainly for the moment, uh, he has clearly indicated that he will not attend. Uh, you know, the further update, of course, is that uh, the Hawks do seem to have. have made public certain specific allegations of uh, corrupt activity, that they regard as corrupt activity on behalf of the Minister of Finance. And I'm not quite sure whether these um, later allegations will have any effect on whether he does attend or not. But it does seem as though that the Hawks, as a special investigative unit, is clearly intent on finding very specific allegations against him. Um, And I think the more specific they can make it, the more difficult it may be for him in the near future.
8: There's been a lot of back and forth here. Why do you think this is? Because it's not the first time um, they've wanted to talk to him.
5: Uh, This has been an ongoing uh, battle, really, uh, almost since he became Minister of Finance under rather controversial circumstances at the end of last year. Look, I think we're moving into a very difficult period now in the next few months in South Africa. The rating agencies are breathing down our necks. And President Gordon has repeatedly said in public that we have to take action, corrective action, in the management of some of our big state-owned enterprises, putting new boards in place, limiting spending, uh, undoing and uh, punishing corrupt activities. And I think all of these issues threaten certain vested interests. And I think what we've seen here is uh, a battle, really, for uh, good governance in South Africa, in a sense. Uh, Gordon, I suppose, representing... uh, uh, those who wish to see uh, efficiency in government, um, and there are forces I think who would like the status quo to remain. The status quo being uh, almost an unfettered access to the benefits of uh, of, of the large purse strings of these big state enterprises. And that's, I think, the battle that's raging in South Africa at the moment.
8: And there are a lot of people who say that this is a struggle um, with the presidency and for the presidency to have more control over financial and state enterprises. Could this be true?
5: Well, I think the presidency gave us a clue of course in terms of the uh, recent uh, uh, announcement only this last in the last few days that President Zuma would be taking over the strategic oversight um of uh, the state-owned enterprises. Now, this in a sense would indicate that uh the president wants to move uh, some of the major issues uh into his office uh, or under his wing. Mm-hmm. And it would perhaps indicate that he wants to try and remove this from others, either Gordon, Treasury, or even the public enterprises minister under which uh, many of these enterprises fall. And I think this would, that announcement seen together with these allegations, the difficult position Gordon finds himself in, I think altogether does suggest that um, in the last year or two of President Zuma's reign, and uh, coupled with this uh, pressure we're getting from the rating agencies, um, there are factions, and uh, we don't know whether the president is one of them, but perhaps uh, the president does, and does have certain inclinations towards that. There are factions um, that want to limit the power of President Gordon as a reformer and want to retain a status quo and access to um, the benefits that there are and I think we I think that's that in a sense is part of the battle that we see
8: but when he was appointed in December as finance minister they knew that um what he stands for and they knew that as you put it he is a reformer no
5: well i think uh, in december when we had uh, the uh, the end of uh, the dismissal of the previous finance minister in uh it was a very awkward few days in which business interests factions within the ANC Um, really did impress upon the Zuma administration and President Zuma uh, to specifically appoint somebody like Gordon. The RAND was uh, tumbling severely, stock markets were down, and credibility and investor confidence in South Africa had eroded deeply over the few days. So there's a a strange, I think, push and pull um, within the Zuma administration at the moment. Those that want to retain the benefits of holding office and all that that presents, And, of course, those who understand the market imperatives and the real damage that another nanny bait uh, could do to South Africa. And I think it's not just about President Zuma and others. It's really about these two orientations of uh, of the world. Uh, And Gordon, in a sense, is just caught up in the middle of it as the key protagonist in this battle.
8: So now he's refused to meet up with the Hawks. So what happens next?
5: We will wait to see how the Hawks wish to play this. I mean, the ball effectively is now in the Hawks' court, uh, given Gordon's uh, refusal. And I would imagine that if they do come with specifics, and they are coming with specifics regarding uh, what they regard as corruption allegations against Gordon, um, these will either involve formal charges being made against them. Or uh, the saving grace, I suppose, for probably Gordon, is if President Zuma steps in in some way to uh, offset what could be a very ugly and nasty struggle uh, not only in cabinet but perhaps even within the broader ANC.
2: That was a Daniel Silk, South African independent political analyst speaking to Spumelele Zondi. Now South Africa's Archbishop Emeritus Desmond Tutu is due to remain in hospital for up to two weeks to treat a recurring infection. His family says he admitted himself to a Cape Town hospital yesterday. Tutu underwent similar treatment last year. His daughter Tandega Tutu Kashi says an update on her father's condition will be made as and when the information becomes available. In other news, the director for the Country Information Management Unit for South Africa's Home Affairs Department, Advocate Busisiwe Mkwebane, has been recommended as the next public protector. This comes after three hours of deliberations to identify the best candidate. The four other candidates, Judge Siraj Desai, Judge Erica Veena, Advocate Mubango Lokamaine, and Professor Bongani Majola, were eliminated. There was consensus on Mkwebane among all political parties except the DA, which wanted it. reservations about Mkwebane to be recorded. Mercedes Besant sent us audio of Mkwebane when she was interviewed as one of the candidates on the 11th of August, about two weeks ago. This is what she said during the interview on why she should be the next public protector.
9: My name is Busisiwe Mkwebane. I'll be presenting um, on myself. I'm a person of prestige and influence, a believer in Christ, who operates with objectivity, competence, and efficiency. I'm an admitted uh, advocate of the high court. I'm a professional woman with strong leadership uh, capability. I have a clean criminal record, and I would be purely... uh, transparent in my dealings. I'm apolitical and unbiased, therefore my uh, judgments won't be uh, biased. I have acquired exceptional reporting, analytical communication, negotiation, uh, problem-solving, and uh, relational building skills over the years of services. I served on different portfolios and management levels over 22 years within Government of the Republic of South Africa, as well as promoting the Republic globally and building international relations with the People's Republic of China. My current portfolio involves a strong active record of eleven years in senior management within immigration branch at the Department of Home Affairs. I know the operations of government, including policies like the medium term strategic framework, the implementation which is the implementation pl- plan of the National Development Plan twenty thirty. I've got eight years working experience within international law, human rights, and government en- uh, governance environment. Therefore, I'm a human rights law uh, expert, including immigration and refugee law. I worked as a prosecutor for three years. I was part of the delegation which visited China in, in 2004, when, uh, with the then-advocate Mushwana because I was working at the Office of the Private Protector by then. I presented papers internationally on refugee policy uh, in Germany and within the, uh, Southern Africa. Participated at various UNHCR or uh, EXCOM meetings in Geneva, Switzerland, and at uh, African Union meetings in Ethiopia relating to refugees. On one of the key uh, achievements there was the adoption of the AU Convention relating to disabled pers- uh, displaced persons in Africa and as well represented South Africa at various uh, SADAC refugee commissioners' meetings. Whilst in China, I facilitated the establishment of visa outsource centers, both in Beijing and Shanghai. This included standardization of operations at the two missions. I improved customer service and service delivery to deepen political relations between the two countries. I also negotiated the opening of more offices, uh, due to excellent uh, service delivery and the impact I made with uh, uh, the country, uh, I promoted better relations between the two countries, and that was also published in the local newspapers. In South Africa, I led various humanitarian encounters and xenophobic projects in, in conjunction with uh, providing strategic and leadership uh, to refugee services across the country, especially Gauteng, Western Cape, Eastern Cape, Guazulu-Natal, and Limpopo, where refugee reception offices were, were, were based. Um, some of the uh, achievements include uh, participating at the signing of the tripartite Plan of Operation for the Repatriation of Angolans, refugees, and uh, also I was appointed as a board member of the Refugee Relief Fund board by the Minister of Social Development, monitored the rollout of integrated biometric system for the five refugee reception offices, made sure to increase the capacity of the offices and manage the budget of the offices. Due to political instability in Zimbabwe around 2006 and 2007, I managed to give strategic direction for processing applications for asylum, which spiked from 50,000 to more than 100,000 in that particular year, introduced same-day adjudication of asylum claims, managed to reduce the approval rate uh, recently um, by making sure then that we have uh, good quality country of origin reports and make sure that whoever deserves to be granted refugee status gets that. I was currently the project manager to revamp the State Refugee Reception Office. Whilst working at the Office of the Pirate Protector, I managed to establish the Houding Office, which is based at Constitution Hill, as well as making sure then that uh, allies with various municipal offices around Soweto to make sure that uh, there uh, are clinics which are open there. Recommended ways to improve service delivery to the compensation commissioner on complaints received, investigated uh, disclosure of HIV status of patients without their consent, and steps taken by the Health Professions Council and produced a report. investigated and due delays in the pay- payment of Unemployment insurance fund. Other experiences uh, include being serving on the task team that drafted the country report on the African Charter on Human and People's Rights, which was submitted to the African Commission on Human and People's Rights in 1998. I was a member of the National Action Plan on Human Rights Coordinating Committee, which was assisting the, direct, the drafting of the National Action Plan on Human Rights, which was deposited to the United Nations a uh, higher commissioner in 1998. I drafted the chapter on management of asylum seekers and refugees in the current immigration green paper, which is currently out for, 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 for consultation. Given an opportunity to hold the Public Protector's Office, I will assist all fears of government to improve service de- delivery, assist in the implementation of the National Anti-corruption strategy to eradicate corruption, assist in improving South Africa's ranking in the Transparency International Perception Index, which uh, to below uh, 50 because currently is around 72 out of the 177 countries. Introduce in order to innovative ways to deliver services promptly within the limited resources.
2: And that was Busi Sviwe Mkwebani, the public protector-elect.
10: We have great news for you. Channel Africa has gone mobile. If you have a cell phone, you can now download the mobile app for Android. You can get it on Google Play. Get the latest news from Africa. Get the Channel Africa app. Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance.
2: It's 8.23 Central African time and you're listening to Africa Rise and Shine, coming to you live from Johannesburg in South Africa. In Burundi, the National Commission for Inter-Burundian Dialogue has submitted its preliminary report to the president of that country containing the propositions given by the population of that country and how it should be governed. The report contains a series of law changes as proposed by participants in several dialogue sessions organized by the Commission throughout the whole country. From Bujumbura, Bernard Bankukira tells us more.
11: The removal of presidential term limits clause within the country's constitution, the cancellation of permanent positions of former heads of state within the country's Senate, recognition of the judiciary at the same level as the legislative and executive the amendment of some laws, starting with the constitution itself, these are the most important proposals of the population who participated in the inter dialogue in the past six months, as contained in the report submitted to the President of the Republic. In a press conference held in Bujumbura to explain the content of the report, Bishop Justinzo Saba chairman of the National Commission for inter and Dialogue, said the report is not final but contains the most important aspirations of participants in the dialogue that involved several groups.
12: The Commission has already facilitated the national dialogue session for the following groups, political parties, civil society, organisations, religious groups, women's associations, youth, association and the union the commission is not yet ready to present the contributions expressed during the already lively dialogue sessions because it has not completed their count however the many ideas are already collected can be grouped into four areas on the constitution the vast majority of dialogue participants want the president of the republic to exercise more than two terms the vast majority of the participants also want the constitution overrides the arusha agreement all participants want the senate not to include former presidents of the republic in the case they are not <coughs> elected for all participants want that the judicial power to be at the same level as the legislative and executive powers, that the state put an end to the political violence and the impunity, that imperfections be removed from the constitution, and that the errors in the Arusha agreement be corrected.
11: Bishop Nzo says the vast majority of participants want some laws to be changed starting by the constitution along with penal codes, laws governing political parties, Laws governing civil society and religious denominations in a bid to force them to strictly stick to their major missions.
12: On the updating of some laws, participants want the amendment of the law governing political parties in order to have no political parties that only exist by name. The penal mm-hmm. code to end impunity. The electoral code to better organize the elections. Governing civil society, the organization to comply with their statutes. Governing religious denominations so that they also comply with their statutes.
11: The internal dialogue conducted by the National Commission for Inter-Burundian Dialogue in Burundi has been highly contested by opposition parties who claim the process has been initiated by the embattled president, Pierre Nkurunziza and his ruling party, Just to quell an inclusive dialogue and enable him remain on power forever. Though the process has been welcomed by the international community as an essential process aiming at easing the political tension prevailing in Burundi since April 2015, it remains less inclusive as it does not involve opposition leaders and militants living in exile, hence insisting on an internationally facilitated dialogue that is to be held in Arusha, Tanzania. So far, all efforts to hold this dialogue haven't yet borne any positive results. The last inclusive meeting which involved all key political leaders, was held in July under the facilitation of the former Tanzanian President Benjamin Mokapa, but saw the government and ruling party representatives boycotting it, claiming they cannot sit with criminals who participated in the failed military coup of May thirteenth, 2015. The meeting ended inconclusively. So far, no more news about a possible resumption of the process. For Channel Africa, this is Bernard Bankukira, reporting from Bujumbura.
2: France's highest administrative court will today examine a request to scrap a ban on the Islamic Burkina swimsuit, which has sparked a furor in the country. The United States says it does not support bans by French resorts on Muslim swimwear, but warned American travelers that they should obey local laws. Showin' Bryce Peace reports.
4: Images of a burkinied woman on a beach in Nice, France, now fueling debate. Resting quietly on the shoreline, then approached by several male officers, and moments later is seen removing clothing in full view of other beachgoers and the hovering police. Stefan Dušić is the UN secretary General's spokesperson.
10: We've seen uh, we've seen the reports. Uh, we have seen um, seen the photos. Um, I think it's important that uh, the dignity of individuals. Uh, be respected. Um, I'm not sure in this particular case, uh, in the case that we saw with the photos, it was uh, respected. Um, I know our colleagues at uh, at the office of the High Commissioner for Human Rights are also concerned about these blanket bans or uh, impositions having to do uh, having to do with clothing.
4: Authorities say the ban is in place for clothing that manifests adherence to a religion at a time when France and places of worship are the target of terrorist attacks. A legal challenge to the ban by several towns will be heard by the country's highest administrative court Thursday, following a lower court decision to maintain the ban. France's Interior Minister Bernard Cazeneuve earlier met with the president of the French Council of Muslim faith'
13: la mise the implementation of secularism and the possibility of making these bans must not lead to stagnation or antagonism between French people l'tagonisation de français les autres
4: president of that council and now bibetch says the bans have created a lot of concern among French Muslims
12: donc ceci effectivement
13: This has created a lot of emotion, a lot of concern among Muslims in France and beyond. The meeting we requested of the interior minister was firstly to convey those concerns. We were reassured by the commitment taken by the minister, which recalls that we live in a state of law and that in a state of law there are principles laws which must be and will be respected.
12: Uh,
13: and so I think that is a message which will help calm things down and which will reassure all nationals and notably French
4: Muslims. We pressed the UN spokesperson about whether the images would fuel anger in certain communities around the world, Stefan Duzeric again.
10: I don't want to speculate on, on the impact of... Uh, of uh, these images might might have. Uh, I think it's about um, it's about respecting uh, the dignity of people, it's about respecting the dignity of women. Uh, and as I said, I think from from what we've seen in, in the photos uh, it doesn't look like that was the case in this particular uh, in this particular incident.
4: At around five million, France has the largest Muslim population in Western Europe with increasing moves to curtail religious expressions that clash with the dominant secular culture. I'm Sherman Ricebees in New York.
2: Our headlines up next with Anne Musa.
3: A very good morning to you. In the headlines, leader of Mozambique's opposition, Afonso Tlaqam, has rejected a proposal offering him the position of a deputy president. South Africa's ruling ANC says law enforcement agencies must be allowed to do their work but must also be sensitive to public perceptions. And the UN mission in South Sudan relocates 1,000 displaced people from a transit point in Juba to the UN House. Those are the stories making headlines.
0: Africa, rise and shine.
2: Thank you. And Kenya's President Uhuru Kenyatta has less than a week to sign into a law, a bill that puts a cap on bank interest rates in the East African nation at 4% above the indicative central bank rates. Kenya members of parliament passed the bill seeking to control interest rates at the end of last month. Kenyatta must sign into law. The bill also puts minimum interest rates on deposits at 70% of a central bank rate, while the Kenya Bankers Association, the Finance Cabinet Secretary and the central bank governor have all opposed the law, arguing that it would introduce inefficiencies in the lending sector. Borrowers say it will open the doors to cheaper loans. Sarah Kimani has the details.
14: When Catherine Ryungu walked into a Kenyan bank and walked out with a mortgage, she joined a list of Kenya's privileged few. Privileged because there are only 22,000 mortgage portfolios in Kenya. Nothing prepared her for what would happen two years into her repayment. The interest rate was uh, revised from uh, 15% to 25%. And um, I was servicing uh, two mortgages uh, at the same time. And then when they revised the interest rate, it shot from um, 100,000 to almost 150,000. So that's like a 50% increase without notice and without being given adequate time to revise my financial arrangements. Catherine, who now publishes a horticulture culture magazine, then lost her job. Her financial burden too big to bear. She walked back to the bank. I fell back by about three hundred thousand. I even tried to tell them to give me about two hundred thousand when my business went down, so that I could uh, lift it. And they told me that uh, they had over-financed me. Therefore, they couldn't give me the, the little money that I needed. To show up my business. From being listed as a bad debtor at the Credit Reference Bureau to losing out on advertisement revenue due to lack of finances to show up her business, Catherine says her dream of owning a home has been painful. So how would you term your relationship or how you feel about the bank? It's abusive. It's an abusive relationship. Because all that the bank cares about is their money, not me or even my business. Faced with the reality of what they term as an exploitative affair between banks operating in Kenya and their clients, Kenyan members of parliament passed a bill that caps bank interest rates at 4% above the indicative central bank rate. Ndirito Murethi is an economic analyst based in Nairobi.
12: The preferred system is where the market is able to determine price, but where you have an imperfect market, you are sometimes forced to intervene in order to get the desired result.
14: Bankers are, however, urging Kenyatta not to sign the bill, arguing that the bill will hit small borrowers like Catherine the Hardest. They also argue that it will lead to inefficiencies in the credit market and promote informal lenders who will prey on desperate borrowers. Habi Lulaka is a Chief Executive Officer, Kenya Bankers Association.
15: Informality.
12: And informality has got its own challenges. One is not regulated, and therefore the Rates that you're trying to say that are high in the banking sector, in the informal sector, the shylocks, the long loan sharks, it's even worse. So
14: Most Kenyans will hear none of it. To sign that bill into law immediately, what will it do to you and to many others, potential loan applicants or to people who are going through your situation? This law will protect me as a borrower from having to deal with crazy revision of interest rates without notice, without being given adequate time to adjust my finances or even negotiate a longer repayment period. If President Kenyatta signs the bill, lending rates will be capped at about 14.5% based on the current central bank rate of 10.5%, a huge relief for clients currently paying rates of between 18 to 25%. Sarah Kimani, Kenya.
2: South Africa's higher education and training minister Bladen Zemande says government will have to fork out more than two billion Rand for twenty seventeen alone if the eight percent fee increase for universities was to be approved. Briefing the Portfolio Committee on Higher Education and Training in Parliament, Nzimande said this was based on projection on the 2015 fee increases by tertiary institutions. The university sector has proposed an 8% study fee increase for 2017. Abongwe Bokana reports.
16: According to Nzimande, the Council on Higher Education report undertook an economic study to look at the implications of different levels of fee adjustments for 2017. He says a number of different scenarios were projected and considered. In its report, the council found that an across-the-board fee increase at the level of the Consumer Price Index is the most viable option. Zimande says he will respond soon to the recommendations.
1: But we have not
16: taken a decision
1: on any of the recommendations or the recommendation that is in 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 the cha report that is why we are consulting but sooner rather than later we will actually have to make a response and a determination so that there is certainty for everybody for next year and for universities also to start planning on the basis of knowing how much money they're going to be getting.
16: Students are adamant that they want a 0% fee, which means no fee at all but the implementation of such a 0% fee would leave at least 19 universities in a worse financial position, coupled with huge underfunding, which will threaten the sustainability of the higher education system. Zamanda says the department's calculations based on the 2015 baseline show that if the fee increase is approved, it will cost more than $2 Equals 2.563 billion
1: rand to be exact, on the 2015 baseline, okay, it's 2.563. Dr. Parker may explain that a bit more. She's a mathematician as well and I'm not.
16: Zimande also called on students to allow the consultation process to take its course and not make unreasonable demands.
1: There are people who are mischievous in the system and we hope that the overwhelming majority of students will not allow a situation where, even if there is no need, the academic program is disturbed. I am very concerned at the ease with which sometimes we lose lecture time. Especially in a system like ours where, as I say, the failure rate is so high. Because you never recover time, by the way, that you have lost. People say we we'll, have recovery. You never really, actually, fully recover time that has been that has been lost.
6: So that is why we
1: would like to urge the student formations to work with us.
2: And that report ended by Minister of Higher Education in South Africa, Bladen Zamande by Abongwe Kobokan. A a win by U.S. Democratic presidential candidate Hillary Clinton will inspire girls across the globe to shatter the glass ceiling, says Kenya's Cabinet Secretary for Foreign Affairs, Dr. Amina Mohamed. Speaking at a women's leadership forum in Kenya, Dr. Mohamed said, having more women at the top in various fields will see more girls, especially in Africa, dare to dream and achieve their goals. At the forum, British charity Oxfam's executive director Winnie Biangima lamented that even though there is economic progress in many African countries, women and girls have been left behind and inequality is still rife. At least 200 African women are attending a symposium in Nairobi called to take stock of achievements by women on the continent. Sarah Kamani reports.
14: Kenya is hosting a gathering of some of Africa's best brains. The continent's top women leaders in various fields including politics, law, civil service and the private sector. Political developments further afield and a possible historic win by the Democratic presidential candidate Hillary Clinton is raising excitement and expectations. Dr. Amina Mohamed is Kenya's cabinet secretary in charge of foreign affairs.
3: And that's why I wish I had a vote. In the u.s right and i wish i could actually vote for that woman because it will just give us a little more to aspire to right
14: at home in africa however the wins for women are few
3: only 17 of our 54 african countries were among the top 100 countries in closing gender gaps in education, in health, in economic opportunity, and in leadership.
14: Rwanda, Uganda, Tanzania, South Africa, and Namibia are among the only few countries that have a high representation of women in leadership positions. Winnie Pianyima is the executive director of Oxfam.
9: Some of them who are doing well on women in politics have used quarters, (laughs) or legislative or parliamentary, or uh, party quarters to bring more women in.
14: In politics, the playing field is not level, and women aspirants still have to undergo a special kind of scrutiny and expectations. Bia again.
9: It can't be right that you must have millions, billions of money to be able to win an election and be a representative. What kind of representative is that? Only rich people can represent. So women can't be representatives, young people can't be, poor people can't be. It's money that determines who is going to shape the future of our continent. No wonder we are in this mess.
14: 25-year-old Adeke Anna, a first-time member of parliament and among Africa's youngest legislators, agrees. So we, we we are battling with mindset, mostly. Mindset from our counterparts. Uh, who don't really appreciate the importance of women in leadership? The two day symposium will look into ways that countries can close the gender gap, how women can lift each other up to positions of leadership, and how they can put pressure on governments to implement laws to ensure women and girls are not left behind. Sarah Kemani, Kenya. It's 8.45 45 and our
2: economics update's up next with Tabisa Luhoko.
13: Thanks, Balungule. South Africa's Finance Minister, Pravin Gordon, says he wants to be left alone to do his job. He insists he's not going to appear before the elite police unit, the Hawks, on Thursday. The unit had requested him to meet over an investigation into a suspected rogue spy unit at the revenue service. Gordon says he has already responded to matters raised by the elite police unit. The Africa Matchmaking Conference enters its second day in the South African capital, Pretoria. Delegates attending the five-day conference are deliberating on the private sector's role in fostering regional economic integration and intra-Africa trade. The conference is a platform to promote and facilitate business partnership between South Africa and other African states. The role of South Africa's agricultural sector in uplifting its continental counterpart – will also come under the spotlight. The conference has attracted participants from countries like Tanzania, Nigeria, Botswana, Namibia, Mauritius, and Rwanda, among others. South Africa's Economic Development Agency's Paseka Rakuosa explains.
1: Our involvement in the conference is to ensure that we support our business to find export opportunities in the continent that Tswani is open for business, and that the city will create an enabling environment for businesses, both the local and foreign businesses to come and invest here in Swani. And that process, you know, will be made as easy as possible so that the red tape is no longer there.
13: Kenyan President Yuri Kenyatta has signed into law a bill capping commercial bank interest rates at 4% points above the central bank benchmark. This follows the passing of the bill last month in Parliament in an attempt by lawmakers to stop unregulated increases in interest rates by commercial banks. The central bank's benchmark rate currently stands at 10.5%, meaning the banks will now be required to charge interest rates at 14.5%, down from 18 to 25% by some commercial banks in the country. Nigerian bank executives have met with the central bank officials a day after the Monetary Authority suspended nine lenders from foreign exchange transactions. This after failing to remit money owed to the government. The suspensions from the interbank market were imposed after the bank failed to remit 2.1 billion US dollars. South Africa's Food and Allied Workers Union has left the country's biggest trade union, Kusatu. The union voted to join a new federation spearheaded by the National Union of Metal Workers Union, uh, NUMSA, at its 75th National Congress at Bela, Bela in Limpopo Province. The union was among the nine Kosatu affiliates which were ex- uh, opposed to the expulsion of former Secretary General Zolenzima and NUMSA. General Secretary Katishima Semola says that they will formally communicate this to Kosatu.
5: Sometimes uh, on Friday or perhaps even on Monday, we will formally write uh, to Kosatu and uh, inform them about the decision. And should they request to have an audience with us, we will consider that because the people will be ready to explain this decision to them. But the decision is taken, it's irreversible, and it will be undergoing implementation as from now.
13: The US dollar trades at fourteen zero four to the South African Rand at ten three one in Botswana nine eight seven in Zambia seven five British pound eight eight euro. Gold is trading at one thousand three two five dollars, platinum at one thousand zero seven five dollars per ounce. Brand crude oil is at four eight dollars nine five cents a barrel. It's Channel Africa.
2: Thank you, Tabi saw so our sports update up next with Figure Living What.
0: First up in our sports update this hour, it's Rugby News. Springbok coach Alistair Kutier has only made one change to his starting lineup ahead of the Castle Laga Rugby Championship test against Argentina in Salta on Saturday. Prop Vincent Koch will get a start replacing the injured Julian Red ellinghays And there is one more change on the bench with Monet Steyn replacing Juan de Jong. explained Steyn's elevation into the team as cover at fly half where he could need the experience of the French-based pivot.
6: The important thing for for us at this point in time is to build continuity. Therefore, in a short turnaround, I'm um, of the opinion that uh, you, you you cannot make a lot of changes. Therefore, there's only one enforced change. Um, Vince Koch comes in place of uh, uh, Julian Ace, who is out injured. And and then the other change on the bench. Unfortunately, um, it's always tough to make decisions like that. I just feel that Monstein brings a lot of. Uh, uh, you know, calmness and, and a sense of uh, uh, appreciating the, uh, the conditions here in, 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 in Salta.
0: Coutier is expecting an even tougher challenge to come from Argentina in Salta after they play the better rugby of the two teams for a larger part of last Saturday's game in Nelsprate.
6: Uh, I think Salta, uh, you know, sort of uh, posed different challenges altogether. And, uh, it's, it's really never easy. It's tough in Salta. The Argentinians, like I said, it's a, it's a world they world force in rugby, not just a uh, you know improving country. They, they 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 beat us last year, so um, it's going to be a big challenge. And I think they fancy their chances uh, in Salta, but we've prepared well. We had a great week. Uh, preparation it's a long travel and there's no excuses for us and we don't expect any favors from Argentina we, we will definitely plan well and I think uh, you know what we've uh, our review showed that we've been in control for the first 19 minutes in the last 11 minutes we, we, we have to make sure that we control um, the, the match for longer periods um, there was a piece of brilliance which turned it around our yellow card their yellow card things like that and, and they, they just in between the 220s they've played better rugby and they've uh, taken the opportunities we haven't taken our opportunities and we've made a lot of fundamental mistakes so the focus will be uh, uh, to see the accuracy for longer periods this weekend
0: in local football tenda scored the first head trick of the 2016 2017 Upsa Premiership to inspire Orlando Pirates to a 3 1 win over Golden Arrows at Orlando Stadium last night. Nduduzo Bia scored the Constellation goal for Arrows. In Bloemfontein, Kate Lenke's solitary goal and Marisbeck United 1 0 win over Bloemfontein Celtic in an Upsa Premiership clash played at the Dr. Mule Stadium in Bloemfontein last night. The team of choice, that is Marysburg United, registered a hard-fought victory over Punya Celeste Celtic in the first league game of the 2016-2017 campaign. And Manchester City is through to the Champions League group stages last night after beating Stewa Bucharest in 1-0 in Manchester, resulting in a 6-0 score on aggregate. Manchester City manager Joseph Caldiola.
4: Now is today to celebrate
0: our qualification for the, for the Champions League, and of course, we have four days to prepare our Westgap, West Ham game. And uh, and that's all. So, big congratulations to all the players that played today. A Fabian Delft header early in the second half was enough for last season's Champions League semi finalists to ensure they participate fully in the competition once again this year. After a short time, we, we make a very good two games. So we are ready, definitely in Champions League. So we are so happy, we are delighted. So these players, the club, deserved that. We were better team in, in Bucharest. We were better team today. So it's not easy when 10 players go in the back. But uh, 10 players behind the ball. That's your Sport News this hour. Africa, rise and shine. Africa, and Africa, Amuka Na
15: Unai.
2: Recapping our top stories on Africa, rise and shine at this hour Brazil's embattled president will go on trial today. South Africa's finance minister will not present himself to the Hawks. And advocate Busisiu Kwebana might become South Africa's next public protector. That wraps up Africa Rise and Shine today. For myself, Lulu Gabu, producer Ronald and Tutungubeni, technical producer Adrian Kenny, and the rest of the team, thank you for joining us. For comments about our show, send us an email at today or tweet us at Rise Shine Africa or send an SMS on 277 Five seven nine three zero. Now taking us to the top of the hour for the news on the frequency 9625 kHz on the 31 meter band to far west Africa is Sawa Sawa by De <laughs>
15: we yeah. Baby, 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 i baby, i baby, baby, baby I wish I, I wish I, Plenty, plenty, plenty. Looking for sexy, sexy, sexy. I want some poro, potom, 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 potom. She can't be a pion, 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 pion. Waka waka, baby. Uru, uru, baby. Konna connor, baby. And I go tell my mama. And I go tell my papa. And I go tell him, say, You be waka waka, baby. You be chuku, chuku, baby.